Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. This morning, we're continuing walking through the book of 1 Corinthians as the Apostle Paul uh, gives instructions to the church in Corinth and to us on how to be the church, which is what we want and what we want to be known for. We want to be known for being the church. Uh, But before we get started, I wanted to give us some definitions that are going to help us understand what Paul is talking about in this portion of his letter. And granted, we're only in the first couple of chapters of his letter to the church in Corinth. Um, He's going to use a couple of phrases. One is wisdom. And I forget exactly how many times throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, he uses that phrase about 15 or 16 or 17 times over and over again. And wisdom is the use of gained knowledge, right, regarding diverse topics. So a lot of us have a lot of knowledge about certain things. Wisdom is the actual application of that knowledge. So, for example, if you're getting um, brain surgery done, right, and you have an, uh, an option to choose Dr. A or Dr. B, Dr. A just got out of medical school, graduated last year, just started at the hospital, let's say in January, right? But he graduated number one in his class, and he was like number five in the nation as far as his knowledge on brain surgery. So that's one of your options, and you're like, okay, he's number like five in the nation, you know, top of his class, that's great. But option B is a guy who graduated 20 years ago, but he's been doing this for the last 19 years successfully, right? Some people may want, well, this guy just got out of school. He's got the latest knowledge or whatever. Me, I'm going to go for the guy who's been doing it for 20 years successfully. Not only that, give me a list of those people because I want to make sure they're still doing okay. So some people, right, you go for the, the knowledge. But a lot of people with knowledge don't necessarily have the wisdom to apply that knowledge, Right? So Paul is going to talk about that, uh, but he's also going to talk about spiritual wisdom, which is different than human wisdom. Human wisdom is me or a doctor or an architect or whoever or a lawyer applying the knowledge that they have gained. Spiritual wisdom is me or a doctor or a lawyer or whoever applying the knowledge that God has. God has infinitely more knowledge than all of us combined. So Paul is going to contrast those two because uh, there's going to be a lot of people, uh, or there were a lot of people, who were coming to the church in Corinth, and it was in a Greek culture, right? So in a Greek culture, they had a lot of people who were uh, philosophers and, and reasoning and using your mind and wisdom. That was the rage of that day. And so they would come and they would start shooting down a lot of the information that Paul had given to the church about, you know, here's the information about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then you had these reasoning people, logical people, philosophers saying there's no way that anyone can rise from the dead. And so they were shooting it down. And Paul is going to address that. Now, Paul had a lot of wisdom himself. 
right? He had a lot of knowledge about the Old Testament, which uh, he's going to quote over and over and over multiple Old Testament um, sources throughout 1 Corinthians. So this is uh, from the book of Acts, chapter 22. This is Paul, uh, when he was on trial, he's saying, I am a Jew born of Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city and trained at the feet of Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, um, in every detail of the Torah of our forefathers. Paul trained at the feet of Gamaliel, or Gamaliel, however you want to pronounce it, one's Hebrew, one's Greek way, and he learned from him, and he was like an old Testament guru. Like if he was on Jeopardy and it was all Old Testament, he would have been a millionaire, right? Because he knew everything there was to know about the Old Testament. That was his passion. That's the wisdom that he had. And so he brings a lot of that into the conversation. And we're going to see how in a little minute. But when he writes to the Corinthians, he starts writing to them about, hey, don't put all your faith and your trust in human wisdom. Because human wisdom is limited. And he begins to tell them, we should put our faith and trust in godly wisdom because it's unlimited. So if you have a Bible, right, uh, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, if you're using the ones under the chair or to the left or to the right of you, it's on page 807. Um, and, and we're going to be in this for a while because I think there's 16 chapters in the book of 1 Corinthians. So we're going to take a couple of weeks and go through it. So uh, if you want to put a, like a marker in your Bible so you know where to go to, or even put a marker in one under the chair if you're used to sitting in the same seats, or if you're using an app, uh, just put a marker in your app so you can quickly get back to it. But this is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, when I came to you, brothers, and again, I have to reiterate, He's writing to Christians. He's writing this to the church. There were people who would hear it who weren't Christians, but his letter, which we focused on when we started, was the fact that he was writing to Christ followers in Corinth and Christ followers everywhere, which includes you, me, and whoever hears his message. He says, when I came to you, brothers, and we looked at in the book of Acts where he spent 18 months uh, with the people in Corinth in Acts chapter 18, he said, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of, and underline this, if you are the people that write in your Bible like I do, uh, nothing wrong if you don't. Underline this, the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Now, what Paul did is when he showed up there, uh, he went into the synagogues, and we talked about that a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and he would share the word of God, the gospel, with the people in the Jewish synagogue. Because he was Jewish, they were Jewish, there were Greek people in the city as well, and a lot of the synagogue people would kick him out. And we talked about how some of them dragged him in front of the magistrate because they were like, dude, he's preaching something that's not legal. And the magistrate said that's not true. So some of the synagogue leaders actually became, I think one's named Crispus that we read about, the other one's Sothenes, and Sothenes uh, was the one who was with him when he got dragged in front of the magistrate. Sothenes is also the one who was with him when he wrote this letter and said, hey, let the church know I'm here with you as well. 
right? So when he showed up in a synagogue, he would share Old Testament verses to show them this new truth. It wasn't that he did miracles and healing, although the Bible says he did some. The spiritual power that he used was the truth because he, as an Old Testament guru, would say, hey, you guys, this is a Jewish synagogue. Yes, it's a Jewish synagogue. You remember in the Old Testament where it said the Messiah was going to do this? They would say, yeah, that, we, we know that. And he would say, Jesus did that. He would say, you remember in the Old Testament where it said that the Messiah was going to do this? And he would say, yeah, Jesus did that. And then he would say, you remember where it said in the Old Testament that the Messiah was going to die and then be raised from the dead on the third day? And they would say, yeah. And he would point to and say, Jesus did that. Which is why a lot of the synagogue rulers were like, oh my gosh. How can I deny this truth that Jesus is the Messiah? And that's why you read in the book of Acts where many of the synagogue leaders and their families would then become believers. And it wasn't the miracles. It was the simple truth of God's word that he would share with people. That was the spiritual power. He says in verse 6, though, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. Now, this secret wisdom he's going to expound on. And it wasn't secret like nobody in the world can know and, and all this stuff. It was secret because no one had access to God's Holy Spirit to be able to understand it. And he's about to explain that in a minute. He said, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, this wisdom, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, and again, he's going to quote from Isaiah because he was an Old Testament guru, as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, a lot of us quote this verse. How many people have heard this verse before? Right? A lot of us quote this verse, and we just allude to God has so much wonderful stuff in store for us that our eyes can't see it, we haven't heard of, our minds can't conceive what God has in store for us. What Paul alludes to is that what God has in store for us, the thing that our eye hasn't seen, our ear hasn't heard, our mind can't conceive, is the wisdom of God. And it's true, if you think about it, our minds can't grasp God's wisdom, what it takes for God to be God. Uh, this past week, not at, not at two in the morning, uh, but this past week, um, it was six in the morning, when I was working out, I ran into another guy at the gym, and uh, he was asking me about the Holy Spirit. And he was saying in his small group, they're studying the Holy Spirit, and he said, he asked me a couple of questions about it, and we had a great conversation about it, but we were both saying that, you know what? The reason why people have such a hard time understanding God's Holy Spirit, there's absolutely nothing like it in the universe. The reason why people don't understand the Trinity, there is nothing to point to and say, this is what the Trinity is like. We come up with analogies, but they fall so short of what the actual Trinity is like. There is nothing that exists in this created universe that's like God's Holy Spirit. And so to, for us to try to conceptualize and get it down to this thing that we can understand, is really difficult, and every time we think we get it, you read something else in the Bible that says, oh, that's not it. And what Paul says is, hey, this wisdom of God, 
right? That no highest seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. Uh, he says, God has revealed it, this wisdom, to us. Again, he's writing to Christians by his spirit. So the wisdom of God, which, which, which previously yet yeah, was a mystery, no one could understand it, no one can conceive it, but then God, uh, uh, Paul says, hey, but God reveals it to us, Christ followers, by his Holy Spirit. And the Apostle John, when he was writing in his gospel, he, he kind of explains, as Jesus shared, here's how that happens. Because when Jesus was, before he went to the cross, when he was last supper with his disciples, he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And that's how we get access to God's wisdom. Because if you become a Christ follower and you're filled with God's Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit starts revealing and teaching and showing you things that, oh my gosh, this, this made absolutely no sense before. But now, because you have the Spirit of God and you have access to God's wisdom, you're able to understand things that before you couldn't. And he even goes further and he says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? And I know, women, you think you know us, but you don't. The only one he's saying that can really know what's going on inside of a, a man or a woman is that man or that woman's spirit. He says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. But guess what? We have God's spirit. He says, we haven't received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. He says, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, right? So sometimes when we're talking about the church and the gospel and the resurrection and the Trinity, people look at us like we're crazy because they don't understand it. But we're not using words that are meant for them. We're using words revealed from God to explain concepts revealed from God. Right? And he says, verse 14, the man without the Spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he can't understand them. And if you've ever had a conversation, I have conversations with people all the time just because I like this stuff, not because I like to argue a debate, but about uh, whether or not you know, God exists, and is, does the Trinity exist, and is the Bible true, and all these kind of things. And it's hard sometimes because you're trying to explain spiritual things, as we just read, to people who it makes no sense to. And what a lot of people do, and what was happening in the church in Corinth, is that philosophers were showing up, by the way, side note, back in the day when I was a teenager, and I used to do hip-hop, that was my hip-hop name. My rap name was Philosopher. Anyway, <laughs> they would show up, and they would share with them, you know, their view about their gods. And they would say, well, no, 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 we know that this is God because, you know, this is what the Bible says. And we looked at the Old Testament, and now we know that Jesus rose from the dead. And their, their response would be, well, no one can rise from the dead. And that was it. And it was like, that doesn't make sense. It's impossible. It's never happened. So they would bring their logic and their reasoning and a lot of people would be like, well, that does make sense. No one can rise from the dead. It's, it's, it's not humanly possible. And so they would write and they would question Paul. Then Paul goes on and he says this, the spiritual man 
makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. And here's the key. He says, and again, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 40, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? It's like, who can understand the mind of God? We can't grasp what it takes to be God. But then he says this, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, again, he, uh, some versions will say um, where it says mind, it will say spirit. But what he is saying is he's saying that we have the ability to understand these godly things in a way that normal people don't. And he's quoting from Isaiah, and Isaiah chapter 40 uh, wrote this. He said, who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord or his counselor? Who can, who can take the time to even understand or grasp what it takes to, to think like God or be like God or understand like God takes. And we try because we're, you know, maybe as a parent you think you're a little, you know, over your household or if you're a boss you think you're a little God over the, But we can't fully grasp or concept the wisdom that is needed for God to do the things that he does. It, it, it's, it's like our minds would explode like poof trying to get it. But what Paul says is we can because of God's Holy Spirit. Let me, let me give you this, this example. How many people cook, like to cook stuff? Or, or, or even to barbecue or whatever? Okay, when you like to cook stuff, most of the time you follow a recipe, right? Because you're trying to think ahead, I need this, I need this and this, so you've got to make sure you've got everything from the store, have it all prepared, put all these things into the recipe, right? Have you ever got to the end of what you were cooking and found out you left something out? Yeah. It's not the same. It's not what you intended, right? Now, uh, I'll show this. Is she back? Okay, uh, Christy's not back there, so let's talk about her. So I, um, I post lots of videos of the food that she cooks because she's cooked some amazing stuff, right? So you guys have probably seen, like, the pretzels and the, and the tomahawk steak. Like, I will never eat at another steak restaurant because her tomahawk steak was so good. But the problem is... When she cooks stuff, sometimes she forgets to write things. She doesn't forget. She just doesn't write things down. So she goes by recipes. So she'll cook something, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is delicious. This is great. Can we have this again next week? And she's, she just came back in. Okay, so we can have this again next week. I'm like, she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll make it again next week. And then she'll make it next week. And I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't taste the same as what you cooked last week. And she's like, oh, yeah. I forgot to this, or I forgot to put that, or I forgot to put this. So I started making videos of the food so that I can, and, and think it was last week, she made this chicken dish that was delicious, but I didn't video any of it. So I pulled out my phone, hit voicemail one, said, what did you put in it? And I made her record what she put in it. She's like, this and this and this, and how much of this? Yeah, and then what do you do with it? And then when you do with it, and I said, just so to make sure we get the same thing, right? So when you make a recipe, if you forget one little piece, you know, or one little thing, it's something totally different. So wisdom, right, because you have all this knowledge, wisdom is applying all that. Now imagine not a recipe. Imagine God creating the universe. When God created the universe, right, it wasn't, hey, I'm going to create the universe, and now I'm going to put this here, and now I'm going to put this here, and now I'm going to put this here, and now I'm going to put this here. When the universe was created, before it expanded out, science attributes 
not God, but that yes, the universe is expanding, started in one place and expanded out, and again, nothing, no scientific fact contradicts the Bible, no biblical fact contradicts science, but imagine, like if it were me, trying to create the universe, I would forget something like gravity, or, 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 or leave something out that was crucial. But I wanna, I wanna share it with you, because I wanna show you this, this is how, this is how uh, the wisdom of God works, right? And it's amazing. Um, and this is true, this is true. There is something called uh, the anthropic principle. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Uh, it, it's uh, anthropology is the study of man. The anthropic principle is literally a study of more, I think it's 122, 122 constant things that have to be maintained at a precise level so that life on earth can exist. And it's not 122 things on earth, like our oxygen level on earth has to be at a certain level or we, we can't breathe, right? It's 122 things on earth, but also in the universe. So these are the kind of things that God had to take into account before the universe began so that life on earth could exist. Uh, and just a couple of these things, if the centrifugal force of planetary movements didn't precisely balance the gravitational forces, nothing could be held in orbit around the sun. So you know our planets, the pl our Earth is spinning, all the planets are spinning, but as they're spinning, they're revolving around the sun. If that relationship weren't perfectly balanced, they wouldn't stay in orbit around the sun, they would either go crashing in, which means we would have burned up, or spinning out into space, which means we would have froze. Another one, if the universe, this one is mind-boggling to me, if the universe had expanded at a rate one millionth, one millionth more slowly than it did, the expansion would have stopped and the universe would have collapsed in on itself before any stars would have formed. If it had expanded faster, then no galaxies would have formed. Here's another one, if Jupiter, uh, Jupiter is, Mars is the next planet to us, and Jupiter is the one after that, and somebody fact check that, yeah, my very educated, yeah, okay, so Mars and then Jupiter. If Jupiter were not in its current orbit, and in its current orbit, spinning with the centrifugal, centrifugal force that it had, um, the Earth would be bombarded with space material. Jupiter is huge, and Jupiter's gravitational field acts as like a cosmic vacuum cleaner, attracting asteroids and comets and other things that might otherwise strike the Earth. These are the kind of things that when God spoke the universe into existence, right, in his infinite wisdom, he had to ensure they were in place. Now, um, here's this thing, there's an astrophysicist, right, which is, is this study of, has nothing to do with religion, it's the study of like physics and chemistry and how they apply to the universe. There's an astrophysicist named Hugh Ross, and he calculated the probability that these and the other 122 constants that had to be in effect so that life just on Earth could be maintained. He said, and he made an assumption, he said, assume that there are one with 22 zeros after it. It's a huge number. I don't know if they have a name for that. Is that a Googleplex? I don't know. One with 22 zeros under it. 
assume that's the number of planets there are in the universe, okay? He said, there, the chance of all 122 of these universal constants happening so that life could form on just one planet is one with 138 zeros after it. In other words, it's, it's, it's never going to happen. But that's the wisdom of God that knowing that all of these constants, all of these things, all of these issues, all of these need to be in place, so, such, such, and I think some of those things are even with uh, the, the tectonic plates that cause volcanoes, that if there, there was one that's about if there weren't enough shifting in volcanoes, there would be repercussions, and if there were too many, obviously, we wouldn't exist. All of these things that God in his infinite wisdom took into consideration when he formed the universe. And what Paul says, what Paul says is that that level of wisdom is available to us through God's Holy Spirit. Now, just really quick, uh, I know we're running short on time, really quick, let me give you an example of that, because how many people have heard of Solomon, right? Solomon, who had God's wisdom. Uh, in 1 Kings, here's what it says about Solomon. Excuse me, it says, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure. You could not calculate or measure the wisdom that he gave him in breath of mind, like the sand of the seashore, so it surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of the Egypt, and we overlook this, but at that time in Egypt and East, math and medicine, not the technological advancements we see now, but the basis for the medical and, and mathematical advancements that we have now were being formed in those countries. And the Bible says Solomon had more wisdom than them all. It says, for he was wiser than all other men, and some theologians attribute that to not just past, but also present, and it says wiser than, and it lists a bunch of people who we don't know, Ethan, the Ezraite, Haman, the Calcol, Darda, all of these people we don't know. But the understanding is that they were famous people at those times who were attributed with doing uh, great things. Uh, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations, and he spoke 3,000 proverbs. Proverbs are words of wisdom. Right? His songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedars in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall of beasts, of birds, of reptiles, of fish. And to put it in context, and people look at this and say, okay, he knew a little bit about animals. No. He knew a little bit about gardening. He knew about ecosystems. He knew about zoology. He knew about anthropology. He knew about economic and foundational systems. He knew about roadways, which is why Israel became, at that time, more prosperous than it had at any other time in its history. Because the guy who was running it was using the wisdom of God. And here's the key. That wisdom is available to us. And all we have to do is ask for it. Do you know why God gave Solomon that wisdom? Because Solomon asked for it. He said, God, I want your wisdom. And James, who's the brother of Jesus, uh, I'm going to skip past this verse. James, who's the brother of Jesus, tells us, uh, and this is the amplified version, if any of you, is deficient in wisdom. Let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly. 
In other words, God, I need wisdom for the situation at work. James says, just ask God. God, I'm, I'm struggling with dealing with, you know, this family issue or my spouse or a coworker or a friend or, 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 or a political issue or a med- I don't know what to do. James says, just ask. And God will give us the wisdom, not based on our knowledge, but based on God's knowledge. But there is a condition. Because he says, only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, and no doubting. So it, 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 it's not like you're showing up and saying, God, I need the wisdom, but I know you're not going to give this to me. It, no, it's showing up saying, God, I need this wisdom, and I'm ready to go out now and apply it because I know that you're going to give it. And this is why shameless, shameless, shameless plug right now, but this is what I do, um, these around-the-table talks are so crucial because they're not waiting on politicians or other people to help resolve and, and put some ideas around and, and, and bring some fruition to dealing with some of the issues in our community. It's asking people who are a part of the community to come together. And one of the reasons why I want us to be a part is because God has given you guys wisdom, maybe in an area or over concern that he hasn't given to me or to them or to a politician. And when we sit down at the table and say, hey, here's the way, you know what? There, there have been politicians since every single one of us has been born. There will be politicians long after. But yet, we're still dealing with families who are dealing with opioid addictions and other addictions. There have been politicians for forever, but we still have all of these same issues. That, and rather than wait until, well, I'll wait until that party gets in or that party gets in or that party gets in, why not say, hey, God, give us the wisdom to make things right and do it trusting and knowing that he will. And here's the beautiful thing. Then walking out of there and because... Thank you, Lord, for the Jefferson Regional Foundation saying, hey, we've got an idea on how to solve this. Can you guys help us fund it? Because that's one of the things that they've committed to do, and they've already done it through uh, communities all around where they funded ideas to help resolve issues. So that being said, I realize we've gone a little bit longer than I anticipated. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and we're just going to pray. God, we just thank you so much that you give us your wisdom. And that if we, we, we are one of those people who feel like we were missed when the wisdom train went by, that you tell us all that we need to do is ask you. So we pray that you would give us wisdom that would allow us to maybe deal with issues in our homes. Maybe there's an issue in our workplace. Maybe there's a financial crisis. Maybe it's just trying to figure out uh, how to make things work with a spouse who we're not getting along with. Maybe it's an issue with a neighbor. Maybe it's a medical issue and we're, we're trying to figure out, God, should I maybe go to the doctor or where I'm, how, how I'm going to deal with the, the, the way to get this done with insurance or no insurance, but whatever it is. We come to you asking and believing and knowing and trusting that you are a God who is able to give us the wisdom that we need. Not the wisdom that we've gained through our experience but the wisdom that you have that we can receive through your Holy Spirit. And we pray that we would use it in a way 
that brings glory and honor to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Pray that you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. And I will add this, because also if you're at the place where you're like, hey, maybe you need to talk to someone about something, you can always uh, talk to me. Uh, or if it's somewhere, I can direct you towards other resources that can provide help. But I don't want anyone to walk away today without feeling like you have some direction on any struggle that you walked in here with. And if you feel like you maybe need to spend some more time in prayer, feel free to come up here, feel free to grab me, feel free to stay in your seat or whatever, uh, but trust and know that God is able to help you overcome it.